Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, comedian Amy Schumer is one of the hosts of the Oscars this year, and she's trying to figure out a way to get President Zelensky of Ukraine to be a part of the show. Um... Uh, my, mm, how do we feel about this? If, if handled correctly and it's, and all it does is raise awareness, oh boy, is there anybody that's not aware at this point? Yeah, it feels a little exploitive to me. I'm, I'm going to withhold judgment because I, I think I get what she's trying to do. I think. you got to be really careful, though, for it to not come off of kind of like the Congress thing I did, right. where you're just trying to bask in the glow of somebody else's heroism and get a little of that sheen on you. Give me a little exactly. of that heroism light by me being close to you that I add find. To, add to that the whole self-righteous look at us and how enlightened we are. We're on the right side of history. That I find, yeah, that I find appalling. Just appalling. Yeah. And if I'm Zelensky. I can't take the messenger, in short. Just the yeah. messenger is too tainted. And if I'm Zelensky, I, anything that gets attention for what's going on is fine. But, God, the standing ovations, he's got to be thinking, can you put all this energy to forcing your congressperson for a no-fly zone? You know, which we've we've talked about. It doesn't work. Blah blah blah. There's man, man, World War Three, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm just saying, from his point of view, he's got to think those standing ovations are just. Please stop. I got no time. You know how many yeah. dead kids I've seen today? Literally, I've seen dead kids. So yeah. I just I can't do the standing ovation. Which brings us to this video that uh, he and his country put out. Um, it is the visuals. You'll hear the audio. The visuals are grim and heartbreaking. As uh, people refer to this was my city. You see a decimated city brought to rubble by the bombing. And when they mention people there, the video includes pictures of those beloved family members dead in the streets. Okay, it's really powerful stuff. Um, and you should know toward the end, and you could probably guess this from the audio, it is much more bright and uh, optimistic. But boy, uh, Jack, it, it was you, right, who sent this around to the crew over the weekend. Man, I watched it, and I, I just I had chills up and down me. It's just incredibly powerful. Michael, if you'd roll it, please. Was a simple verb, merely a part of speech used in everyday life. But it's not that simple for us, because now... The everyday Ukrainians simply cannot say was without bursting into tears. The word is was. This was my home. This was my friend. This was my dog. This was my car. This was my job. And this was my father. And this was my daughter. The millions and millions of fresh wounds are bleeding with that war. Russia has drowned Ukraine in tears and blood and children corpses. But there is one thing Russia doesn't get. Wars is the word that describes its life. And we Ukrainians already know what will come next. We will win. And there will be new houses, there will be new cities, there will be new dreams, there will be a new story, there will be, there's no doubt, and those we've lost will be remembered, and we will sing again, and we will celebrate anew, 
up at the TV, Richard Engel is uh, outside of the mall that got blasted in Kiev today, and it's just rubble, and they don't know how many dead people are in there. And uh, Zelensky talking about, you know, this was this was my mall. This was my dad. This was these were my kids. This was my dog. Um, and I saw people buried in the most makeshift sorts of burials. I mean, just like push some scraps of woods over them, wood over them, and like. A stick in the shape of a cross tied together with wire. Seriously medieval stuff. Mm-hmm. Like and mass of, graves, too. And mass graves. I mean, like stuff out of the Dark Ages. And it would be so hard to wrap your head around the fact that this is happening in the year 2022 and the world is letting this happen. I get all the realities of why it's happening, but it still would be hard to accept. It reminds me of the movie Hotel Rwanda, where, you know, the Don Cheadle character basically said that. How is the world watching this and not doing anything? Um, it's, it's, it's amazing. It doesn't seem like when you've been surrounded by law and order and a certain level of justice your whole life that this could happen. But it is. Yeah. Good generally triumphs over evil eventually. But that eventually, it can be a long, painful period. There's just a limit to what we can solve, what we can fix, what we can prevent. Especially dealing with a power like Russia, with their nuclear arsenal. I mean, it's been said a thousand times, but that's it's that's the sickening, harrowing reality of it. There's a very powerful country, militarily, economically not as much, but Russia, who's run by a guy who's willing to do this. He would do this anywhere in the world if he could get away with it. He'd do it to the United States if he could get away with it. Yeah, he's clearly willing to commit genocide. He's in the midst of committing genocide, by oh. the definition. Oh, yeah. That, that, I, I don't even know why that discussion even comes up anymore, though, whether or not these are war crimes or the way he's going to be treated in the you know history books and all that. Whatever. Yeah. And I, I saw somebody um, said again yesterday, they were talking about President Xi, you know, our warning to China, you know, if you get on the side of Russia... There will be a price to pay for this. These people don't care. These bad guys don't care. These authoritarian thugs don't care. It's funny. My son came home the other day, and he was telling me about, uh, that he said, we learned about Alexander the Great in school today. And I said, okay, tell me what. And he told me some about it. Alexander the Great, they would surround towns, starve them out, take them over. That's how he got over. That's why he became one of the greatest rulers in the history of the planet. He's remembered because he was so successful. He's still in history books. That's the way the leaders of Russia and China and a lot of other places see it. They don't care how they do it. I'll be remembered forever as a great leader. People aren't going to care that I starved people and children died. Whatever. Well, it's it's an entirely reptilian calculation. It has nothing to do with morals or heart or anything like that. And and any arguments made in that direction are, are worse than useless. They're silly. But you can change their calculation by administering uh, pain, mostly economic pain in the in the well, in both the example of Russia and China. And and I appreciate uh, our people trying to make it clear to China that when we say serious consequences, we mean serious consequences and the kind you don't want. I just hope we mean it. And uh, I read some tweets from Ian Bremmer earlier. He was talking about the economics of this. 
in his Twitter feed over the weekend on how these Russian sanctions, he said there's no way these sanctions go away. And there's no way Europe goes back to using Russia for its fuel. So Russia's done economically as long as Putin's in place. You know, the sanctions could go away and things could change. You get a new government, you get a new ruler. But as long as Putin's there, they're done. So what what is he thinking like right now today, wherever he is? What is he thinking about? How does he picture this coming out? Well, and there's zero chance that Putin willingly gives up power. So you have an increasingly alienated elite class. He he jailed the chief of intelligence who he humiliated a, a couple of weeks back. Uh, the oligarchs have got to be pissed. They're being brought to their knees financially. They've gone from the most comfortable, rich, uh, high-living people on Earth to now they can't go anywhere or do anything. So how well, this plays out, oof. He can't go anywhere or do anything. What What do you think is on his mind? Is, is it just a matter of time before he eats a bullet? I mean, what what else is he going to do? That's what Hitler did when it was over. At some point, you've got to recognize it's over. And it's over, man. Nothing good. Well, well, nothing gets any better for him at all. Well, Hitler had uh, Russian troops like on the next block. Putin still got, you know, a, a 50,000 square foot mansion on the Black Sea and his hot gymnast wife. So you think Hitler like he you know, still thinks he can pull this out somehow? I don't know. That's a that's a great question. I suspect Putin is desperately trying to figure out a route out of this. Um, there is. I don't think there is one. No, there is no route out of this. No, great great leaders make great decisions and do great things. And I don't mean great like hey, that's great, man. I mean like large. Great is in large. They do huge things. And sometimes they make huge mistakes. And this is one of the biggest ones I can think of, except for perhaps the aforementioned Chancellor of Germany deciding to invade Russia in the wintertime, which is inexplicable to this day. Um, yeah, I think Putin has made a gigantic cataclysmic error. Well, yeah, I used this example the other day. There are books written about what was Hitler thinking when he declared war on the United States. That was a terrible miscalculation. One of the worst in world history. But a guy that had a lot of strategical this and that and, you know, obviously accomplished a lot of things in his own mind made a terrible mistake. And so has Putin. Well, it was thousands of years ago that uh, whoever, uh, you know, wrote out the Bible pointed out that to pride goeth before the fall. It's one of the most dangerous things you can do is be so full of yourself, so full of hubris that you start to believe Anything you do is right because you did it. And I think Putin, for reasons that are pretty obvious, may be one of the most prideful people in the last couple of centuries. I was reading an article over the weekend, actually, where uh, when when and Hitler made this decision just all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, didn't consult anybody. And some of his, you know, closest inner circle were like, uh, I'm sorry, you, you you're, we're going to do what now? Like what? Why? The United States of America, you're talking about, right? And, and this is going to help us. And I'm sure a lot of Putin's people around him are this, felt the same way. Where you're gonna, and then how? How is this gonna? How's this gonna benefit me in any way whatsoever, or anybody around here? I can actually understand the Putin thing a lot better, just because I think he sincerely thought his military was as good as his military was telling him it it, it was. Well, he and everybody on the planet thought Germany would never pull the plug on energy, or that you know, sweet the Swiss would ever stop being neutral. I mean, these are earth-shattering things that happen. So I can understand his miscalculation, mm-hmm. but what is he thinking now? That's what I can't even imagine. Do you have an idea? Our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. KFC Australia is launching an 11-course fine dining menu with a wine pairing. Yeah, most fine dining meals don't come with a spork. You know that? That's true. <laughs> Sporks are underrated. I like the spork. I don't understand why it hasn't caught on as a like a regular utensil. I think spork-related humor, though, peaked in about 2010. Oh, I would agree. Yeah. But the spork itself is very useful. I'm not, oh, I would agree completely. Yeah. I understand why they don't make like silverware nice sporks. It's mostly a spoon, but boy, that leading edge, very forky. San Francisco is one of the most shut down cities in America, as you know, during the COVID. It was a ghost town and has been for like almost two full years. Yet uh, there are open air drug markets where people are dying like flies. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. And after two years in stasis, downtown San Francisco is coming back to life. Two dozen of the city's largest employers have committed to March office returns. So this month including uh, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, Visa, MasterCard, Facebook, Google, are mandating workers come back three days a week here in the next couple of weeks. Um, Get your lazy pajama-clad asses back in the office. The city's largest employer sales force is bringing people by the hundreds and by the thousands soon. So even in San Francisco, they're bringing people back. But you got this new Omicron variant that you need to know about that is oh, no. in- interesting on a couple of levels. Cases are up. Cases have doubled in Great Britain in just the last couple of weeks. Usually what happens there happens here. Um, I did not know this. Nearly half of Americans have had the Omicron variant. That's huh. incredible. Not the new sub-variant, but the, no, the, but the Omicron. The, how, long the was the, how long was the Omicron around? Four months? Five months? So, you know, it replaced... Oh, at, at the most, right? If that long, yeah. It replaced Delta. And most of a lot of us had had Delta. So half of us got Omicron? That's amazing. It's so spreadable, right? They, they, they've been telling us for a long time, even though your schools and workplaces are ignoring it, that the masks don't really work on Omicron because it's so transmissible. Well, this new variant is 50% more transmissible than Omicron. So wow. the idea that you're going to stop it with anything is just dumb. Stand six feet apart and wear a mask and wear your mask from the door to your booth, but you can take it off at the booth. All of that stuff is just freaking stupid. It was stupid before. It's extra double layer stupid now. It's theater. It's uh, COVID theater. And I don't know who it's for. I don't get the psychology of the people that still are into this. I know a few, and I mean, I observe them, and I don't get the psychology of why they're still so into this. I don't get it. Somebody sent us this. At a state of California office. So it's government, state government office. Sign on the wall in the elevator. Steps to ensure that you follow proper elevate, elevator etiquette. And this is up now on March 21st, first day of spring, the year 2022. Respect lines and social distance. If the elevator is busy enough to have a line, wait six feet apart. Never break in line. Wait your turn. So they're still going with the six feet apart, even though that's been debunked as like a completely random number. That yeah, almost the, hilariously useless. Yeah, it was just random. These droplets float in the air for hundreds of yards. Avoid talking or talking on the cell phone during the ride in the elevator. Avoid coughing and sneezing as well. Okay, I'll stop sneezing. Good luck with that. Uh, face the wall. By facing the wall, you prevent the spread of germs should you accidentally cough or sneeze. This stuff is oh. still up in the elevator in state buildings. 
Is there anybody getting in the elevator and facing the wall? Anyone? Is there one Ep- person ever? Ep- epidemiologists and, and experts in droplets and the rest are guffawing at that notion. I'll just turn my back to you, and therefore I can't spread this disease that emerges in tiny little droplets and floats all over the place. Reduced occupancy right now. Limit to four people per elevator car. Oh, all right. That's a good idea. Yep. Be the button pusher. If button pusher, if you're standing near the buttons, be willing to push the button. Use a tissue or soft object to push the button if possible. So, be sure to lick your finger to get a good grip. So they're still going with you catch the virus from surfaces, which has not been true for like a year and 11 months. Right. Yeah, you get it on your fingertips. Everybody knows that. Then you touch your nose. No, no, no. Hilarious. And this is my favorite one. Exit quickly. Oh, I like to hang around in the elevator. <laughs> the door opens and I just stay around as long as I can. In fact, it's the right over already. What? It usually closes and I end up going to a floor I don't want to be on, but I just like hanging around. Hey, y'all, I'm having fun. Are you having fun? Let's stay in this little box. Don't the people who put those signs up and leave them up realize they're doing more harm than good? You're making us all ignore every sign we see for the rest of our lives. Like most ignorant people, they have no idea the depth of their ignorance. If you don't get the next segment, grab the podcast later, huh? Good stuff. Armstrong and Getty. Potential for escalation is still very powerful on the Russian side. I had a conversation with a couple of European diplomats this weekend. There are real concerns that they use one and possibly two tactical nuclear weapons in the course of the next couple of weeks Mm -hmm. within Ukraine, specifically targeted at those military supply lines. Well, holy crap, that would be something. Mm. Uh, And uh, Mike Lyons told us that that would obliterate a 6 to 10 square mile portion of Ukraine, wherever the bomb was. Mm-hmm. That is hard to imagine how that would affect the psyche of Americans or the people of Europe having a nuke go off on their continent by a crazy man who's showing every day to be crazier. I have no idea what the NATO and world response would be to that. No idea. You know, it's funny, during the commercial break, it's not funny, ha-ha, funny, uh, strange-slash-interesting. I was contemplating where this goes, and the least likely scenario is that we can see the outlines now of, of where it goes and how it ends. That's the least likely scenario. The more likely scenario is that events unfold and dominoes topple in ways that are very, very significant. Uh, you know, the downfall of Putin, God knows what sort of chaos racks Russia. This is absolutely, I guarantee you, weakening Xi Jinping, at least temporarily, and upping the pressure on him. He's made increasingly conciliatory, not confident statements about various topics, including he's in trouble over COVID, because COVID is exploding in China right now, and so he's really adjusting his sales on that. So I just I I think the most likely thing is that there are ramifications to this that we won't see for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or whatever that are going to be big, including NATO getting directly involved. I mean, as you point out, if, if Putin uses tactical nukes and a bunch of radiation floats over France, 
You think Macron's just going to say, hey, cut it out? Well, uh, Joe Scarborough, who you know knows this sort of politics better than, than I do, he thought the, the, the wind would blow toward NATO taking on Russia so hard that politicians couldn't ignore it if they use chemical weapons or a tactical nuke. Now, yesterday on the talk shows, um, all the representatives from the White House were unwilling to draw any red lines. They were not going to say, and that's what Mike Lyons said. He said, we, he said, I don't think it would be a red line if they used a nuke. Wow. So Russia uses a nuke, and that's not a red line. They still didn't attack a NATO country, so that's still not a red line. That is, I don't know if that works public opinion-wise. Well, yeah, now, and it's worth pointing out these tactical nukes are much, much, much smaller than, like, the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombs, for instance, or the modern H-bombs that would decimate, you know. I get that, but 10 square miles completely obliterated? Uh, He does that in a city? Yeah, it could be up to that, yeah. Oh, my God. I guess we'd all have to see it. One has never been used. Right. So, you know, I'm just going on the guesstimates of experts. To me, it just, it just, it opens that door of, okay, nukes are on the table. Sure. That kind and the other kind are now on the table in the right. way that they haven't been. Like since grandpa was a child. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah. Uh, a couple of quick quotes from the NATO Secretary General on that topic. And then I want to get into a really good piece about the allure of strong man nationalist governments versus the the weak and decadent West uh, from one of my favorite writers. But give us clip number 30, would you please, Michael? This is NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg. If there's a peace deal that that gives Russia a piece of Ukraine, uh, are you concerned that that will reward Russia for this aggression? Ukraine is an independent sovereign nation, and I uh, have full trust in President Zelensky and the government in making the right judgments of what kind of uh, uh, peace talks they should engage in and what kind of agreements they can uh, agree to. And then 31. How long can NATO stand by and watch Russia target civilians without finding a way to help more. NATO allies are stepping up their support to Ukraine, partly by delivering uh, military support, uh, uh, humanitarian support, and uh, billions of billions of uh, uh, financial support to Ukraine. And then, of course, we also impose unprecedented sanctions Mm -hmm. on Russia uh, to ensure that they are paying, President Putin is paying a high price for this uh, totally unjustified, uh, senseless war against an independent sovereign nation, uh, Ukraine. That last part was the only part that matters, the high price, because stopping it obviously isn't working. Did you see the war rally that Putin had there in Russia over the weekend at a soccer stadium or whatever? There's like 100,000 cheering people, and he's wearing the national colors like you're a, a war leader at a time of war, which he is, a war that you started against innocent people. But, you know, the crowd seemed to be buying his crap about saving Ukraine from the Nazis and all that. BS that he throws out and the crowd just going wild. Mm-hmm. And our yeah, military well, I don't is... doubt he could uh, assemble a, a crowd full of loyalists and, and, and nationalists and the rest of it. That's something. Yeah, yeah, it is. Speaking of that sort of thing, I thought this piece uh, by Kevin Williamson was great. I love Kevin. Um, writes for, <clears throat> excuse me, National Review. Um, and he writes that uh, it's. As true today as it's ever been that freedom is not only a moral good, but also a practical one. This is the whole, the advantages and disadvantages of totalitarians and democracies and that sort of thing. 
Uh, the allure of strongman nationalist governments, and he name checks a few, including Putin and Putin rather, and Xi Jinping. Uh, it's always been uh, the promise of power. You can take the word of the foreign uh, leaders themselves, or listen to the slobbering of their American admirers. The story is always the same. While liberal societies slide into softness and decadence, the illiberal societies have the resolve to spurn cheap gratification particularly in the form of consumerism and sexual license, in order to secure the genuine common good. Uh, but the more important thing to know, he made a previous point that I think is a distraction, but uh, the most important thing to know is that the promise of autocratic power is a lie. Does Russia look strong today? Vladimir Putin's thugs are pretty tough guys when the contest is, say, five-on-one against an unarmed female journalist, or when they're quietly poisoning his critics with polonium-210. But they aren't much in a real fight with Ukrainian patriots. Instead, they've been reduced to vulgar terrorism, bombing hospitals and residential buildings in an attempt to use atrocity as a substitute for victory. The nations of the free world bicker among themselves, and they have plenty of fierce internal disagreements, but the purportedly soft and undisciplined West put Russia on its ass in about five minutes when push came to shove. Putin's right-wing fanboys are transfixed in rapt homoerotic admiration to see him half-naked on horseback, but he doesn't look so tough getting pushed around by... Uh, he uses a term that I've never read and never will again. Moderatoral, as in women-managed uh, bureaucrats such as Christine Lagarde, Ursula von der Leyen, and uh, Janet Yellen. Putin thought he might turn to the man who he sometimes called his best friend, Xi Jinping, for help. She, in response, has illustrated two of the great political proverbs. Charles de Gaulle's observation that, quote, nations do not have friends, only interests. And Harry Truman's advice that the politician in need of a friend should get a dog. (laughs) China, which has attempted to manage COVID-19 in its preferred way through authoritarianism and brutality, is at the moment getting absolutely hammered by the virus. Then he goes into some of the extreme measures, including shutting down important industrial uh, hubs like Shenzhen, for instance. Um, but it's it's going very poorly. Uh, she has some serious problems at home. 20% of China's housing stock is vacant after a speculative building boom that made the Dutch tulip mania seem like sensible long-term investing. Businesses are carrying too much debt, and creditors are worried about not getting paid. Then he talks about some more economic problems in China that are really interesting if you're into this stuff. Joe Biden knows he is one bad recession away from being sent home, but Xi Jinping knows he is one bad recession away from something even worse than exile in Delaware. He's well aware of how his party came to power, and he'd have to uh, re-repress. Um, but skipping ahead now, authoritarian societies do not even really confer the one advantage you'd think they would, stability. If Vladimir Putin were to be hit by lightning tomorrow, the entire character of Russian public life would change immediately, mm. and the country would be thrown into crisis. Sure. Absolutely. If Joe Biden were to throw in the towel on Monday, the U.S. would keep on keeping on. We may treat every presidential election like it's an existential dilemma, but as you may have noticed, American life does not change radically from administration to administration. On the other hand, and I thought this was an interesting aside, if you erase three non-politicians from American history, Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, and Roger Ailes, the political culture looks very different indeed. That's why Putin is scrambling around arresting his advisors and looking for saboteurs under his bed, while Dwight Eisenhower left Americans with the impression that he had spent the remarkably eventful years of his presidency playing golf. Real stability is dead boring. Hmm. And he, and he goes on in, in, you know, some detail, but. 
By the way, since the term came up, I meant to say this on Friday. The media loves to act like a recession is just, you know, we're all walking around eating bugs and looking for uh, for, for humans to knock on the head and gnaw on them for a while. Cannibalism. Right. because um, <laughs> How many recessions have I lived through in my adult life? I, I, they don't warrant remembering. They're not that big a deal. No, um, they're not. You know, your 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 stocks go down for a while, and and the, but then they come back as soon as it's over. And why they could push us into a recession could lead to a recession. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure this will at, at some, some point, point, and we'll be fine. And then we'll come yeah. out of it. Whatever, big deal. You know, Jack and I ruminate on this sort of thing a fair amount because we're in the business. But uh, John Stewart once said quite uh, aptly and, and uh, wisely that the true bias of the media is toward conflict. They love to hype conflict because it's exciting. Um, but the other one is significance. They have to act like everything's incredibly significant because they are so desperate for your eyes and ears. You know, we've we've kind of we've tried very hard to make reasonableness our uh attraction and it's kind of an odd strategy in modern media and probably a dumb one but um everything's got to be a cataclysm or exciting or scary or that sort of thing the fact that the economy doesn't grow it just kind of sits there or shrinks by two tenths of a percent who gives a crap i mean really right it's not great for the stock market if like uh, most of us you got a little 401k going or something like that only if you're planning on pulling it out right now though otherwise whatever right exactly i'm looking up at the cable news Uh, another senator saying severe cost to russia if they use chemical weapons all right what are those costs going to be i don't know and about sanctioned them as far as we can go i don't know what else can we do well, we'll if everybody but China and Eritrea refuses to buy anything from Russia until they come correct, you know, that'd be pretty brutal, although we're damn near there now. Is Eritrea a country? Yeah, it's a it's a little African totalitarian country that's been siding with Russia, uh, probably because they're kind of dependent on Russian and, uh, and Chinese aid, was a, I'm guessing. I thought that was a drug that helped with my flaccidness. <laughs> that too. That too. It was invented in Eritrea. Okay, Uh, we'll finish strong next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I can you tell filed you, that I, with the Federal Elections Commission. You well, own stock I, in Chinese Petro. I personally didn't buy the stock. You uh, made millions off it, sir. I don't think I made millions off of anything. I'd love to have made millions off of Chinese Petro. Uh, first of all, Shanghai Shenda Chinese Petro. Buying a second. Right, you may not understand this because you've I never been in the private. No, you don't. I do. You've never been in the I private sector it. in your entire life. All right, gentlemen. I've worked, sir. Squat, gentlemen. Two tours in Iraq. Don't tell me I haven't worked. Don't tell me I haven't worked. You don't know squat. Okay, right? You don't know squat. Two tours in Iraq. Don't tell me I haven't worked. Back off, buddy. You're gonna you back off. Oh, come on, come on. Never. Never. Let's sit down. Never. Watch. Yeah. Watch. We'll swear it away with the wrong yeah. dude. Come on. No, no, you're dealing with the wrong guy. You watch what happens. You watch what happens. So. All right, guys. That's a, from the debate, GOP debate, over the weekend in Ohio for the Ohio Senate. 
Wow, rancorous. Yeah, and uh, the one guy is an old guy, guy in the gravelly voice, and the other guy is a young, like, fit, military-looking guy who who got up, like, chest to chest, with got up out of his chair, walked up to him, put his chest up against him. Don't tell me, I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you want to say it? I mean, like, he's going to fight this old man on stage wow. in a debate. That's where we are with some of our politics now because, you know, money probably poured into his account because he did that. Yeah, stick it to the power or something. That's where we are now. We're just, we're off the rails in so many ways. Yeah. It's exciting. That's exciting, but it's terrible. I've you know, sat through plenty of debates that were way boring. <laughs> that true. That not. That one is not. But you know, Acting like you're going to punch an old man. That's, that's cool. Well, Or, alternately, he was about to punch an old man. <laughs> Why do you assume he was faking it? He sounded pretty pissed no, off to I, me. I don't think he was faking it. It was just okay. whether or not he was willing to go there or not. Uh, how much time have I got, Michael? How much time have I got for this tale? You got a minute 30. A minute 30 is not very long. I'll tell a short version of it. You know, I, uh, remember what I gave myself for my birthday? For my birthday, I gave myself Transcendental Meditation. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So uh, it's something the, uh, you, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do anything. But I signed up for a transcendental meditation clinic or camp or I don't know, whatever you'd call it. Anyway, I'm doing it four days in a row. Because of COVID, some of it is Zoom instead of in person like it normally is. Um, but I'm about halfway through it and I started it over the weekend. And so far, it's a pretty promising result. I got to say, I've not had any. Success with meditation in the past in my life, I've found it to be a miserable experience, like Hmm. miserable experience. And that's uh, one of the things that people like about transcendental meditation. And I think I mentioned this, that I got onto it. Check out the video of Jerry Seinfeld talking about it. He was interviewed for about it for an hour. He's been doing it for 40 years. Wow. And swears by it. And, uh, And I have a number of friends, like people I actually know who swear by it too, do it regularly. And I thought I'll check it out and... So far, at least, at least it's it's easy, it's effortless, and it's not miserable like other meditation has been for me in the past. But is it transcendent? Well, that's what you're hoping for, right? Mm. I'm only halfway through the clinic. How would I know yet? I'll tell you when I know. We've now entered Final Thoughts with your host, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. But I'm feeling very optimistic about it, and I've never been optimistic about any other kind of meditation in my life. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crowd to meditate upon. Uh, to wrap up the show, there is our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael? A little behind the scenes today. I pulled my back out on Friday, and so I've been standing, sitting, stretching, doing whatever it takes to keep the show going, but... How did you uh, pull your back out, whatever that means? Unfortunately, I was getting off a bench, and I just twisted, which is no. just you embarrassing. <laughs> you stood up, you see. I stood yeah, up. You shouldn't have done that. Yeah. It's clearly this. seated to standing. <laughs> Can't do that kind of crazy stuff. you got to come up with a better story, dude. I, I really do. I was going to land a 720. On my skateboard, and I, my foot slipped, or something like that. You can't say I was standing up off a bench. <laughs> <laughs> Young Alex is our behind-the-scenes producer, much more pliable than Michael. Alex, final thought? So you think that. Um, we adopted this dog last week. He's such a lover. We love him so much, but I think I'm going to get along with him great. We took him for a walk this weekend, and we have this neighbor who's a little bit of a troublemaker. The dog, without any warning, defecated on his lawn and his nice. lawn only. We picked up after him, but I'm going to like this dog. Good boy. Good boy. 
Jackie, final thought for yeah, us? There's somebody in my neighborhood who clearly walks their dog around the corner where my uh, my rental home is and lets their dog poop in the yard and just leaves it there. I mean, who, who does that? What, what sort of other behavior goes along with that? I think anybody who's capable of leaving their dog's poop on your yard is just like a long laundry list of horrible things they're willing to do. They're a psychopath. Yeah, I could psychopath. willingly, I could ruin relationships. I could violate the laws of God and man if I caught one of my neighbors doing that because there's somebody who does the same thing around oh, us. It's crazy. Uh, my final thought, which you don't really have time for, is my mom passed away a year ago today. And uh, it's not about the date, it's about her life and celebrating that. But your mom wants to hear from you. Give her a call. That's a good one right there. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com for the podcast, the swag. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. See you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. It's it's really serious. They're locking up my toothpaste. The devil ain't going to win. No, no. That's not what I was told. So everybody chill. Just shut! Okay. Okay, sorry. So let's go out with a bang. We're going to smear goose liver on our chests to prevent pneumonia and the consumption. And we're going to kill a bison and split, spread the blood on our foreheads and dance around a tree. I, no, that, that's not a good idea. On that high note, thank you all very much. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.